Praise God. All right. I'm going to talk to you this morning out of the book of James. Let me give you a little bit of background about it. James was the brother of Jesus, and after Jesus' death and burial and resurrection and his ascension to heaven, James helped the local church. He was involved in the local churches, and it was in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at that time was about half the size of Amarillo. It was between 75 and 100,000 people. So it was a pretty good-sized place, and there were several churches in the area. Now, at the time, the government was persecuting Christians. Okay, and because of that persecution, people were actually leaving the city and they were moving into the outlying areas to get away from the persecution. And then as they would go out, of course, they would take the gospel with them and the gospel didn't get stopped. In fact, it just spread. Well, James was known to be a practical man. He was a man known to have wisdom, and he had everyday practical wisdom. And over a period of time, as he would go to different churches, and he would preach, and he would teach, and he would talk, and he would share, those things were written down, and it's what we know today as the book of James. Now, the book of James is known as the New Testament book of wisdom. All right, the Old Testament book of wisdom is Proverbs. Now, I love Proverbs. I've loved Proverbs, and I've read Proverbs for years. Proverbs has 31 chapters, and if you read a chapter a day, you can read the entire book in a month, and I've done that for years. Every month, I read through the entire book of Proverbs. Whatever day it is of the week, that's the the chapter I read. So if it's the 15th of whatever month, on that day, I read chapter 15. So I start through then I read the entire book. And listen, it has so helped me. It has so ministered to me. I know some of you have done the very same thing. You know, the Bible in Proverbs says this about wisdom, that there's nothing you and I can desire that compares to the wisdom of God. So you take in one hand everything you want in life, all your hopes, all your dreams. Now, I'm not talking about anything evil. I'm talking about good desires, things you want, your hopes, your dreams, your plans, the things you'd like to see happen in your life. Okay, all of that does not compare to the wisdom of God. Now, here's the great thing about God. He's not asking you to give up your desires to get his wisdom. What he's saying is, if you'll get my wisdom, you'll get your desires. The Bible says in the New Testament that if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, all the things you desire will be added to you. Proverbs also says this about wisdom, that wisdom is referred to as a woman, and it says in her right hand is long life, and in her left hand is riches and honor. Now, I bet there's not a person in this room who doesn't want those three things. Long life, everybody wants to live a long life. I want my children to live long, happy lives. I want my grandchildren to live long lives. I want them to follow God and have a relationship with God. I don't want anybody to have a shortened life. And Proverbs says that if you'll pursue the wisdom of God, you get long life. But not only do you get long life, you also get riches and honor. And riches can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. But there's probably not anybody in this room who would say, oh, hey, Pastor Rusty, I don't need any wisdom and I don't need 
any long life and I don't need any riches and honor. No, I bet every single person wants that. Okay, now, so the next question I think, this is how I think, okay, that's great. If I get wisdom, I get riches, I get long life, I get my desires, so how do I get wisdom? Well, the Bible says that wisdom comes from the mouth of God. Okay, and what came from the mouth of God is the Word of God. Now, I know this is an iPad, and, but my Bible is in that iPad. Now, I don't know how they got it in there, but it's in there, okay? And there's a bunch of them in there because there's a bunch of different translations in there. But every time you read your Bible, you know what's happening? You're feeding on the wisdom of God. So every time you read Proverbs, you're feeding on the wisdom of God. If you decide to read the book of James, you're feeding on the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying this morning that those are the only two places to get wisdom in the Bible because it's not true. Listen, the Bible itself is filled with wisdom. Now, the Bible is a lot of things, okay? And I don't have time. Of course, I'm not going to try to talk about what all those things are. But one of the things the Bible says about itself is that it's God's medicine, Okay, God's medicine. So every time you read the Bible, you know what you're doing? You're taking God's medicine. I've preached on that, and that's the message I've talked about. That's one thing the Bible is. But this morning, what it is, is wisdom. So think about it. Every time you read the Word of God, and we've talked about this, you don't have to read your Bible all day, but you ought to read it every day, and you just take a few minutes to read it. And when you read God's Word, you get God's medicine, and you get God's wisdom. And the fruit of that wisdom is long life and riches and honor. Every time you read the Bible. Now, I'm reading Proverbs, and I want to read to you this morning and show you a couple of things out of the book of James. Now, why did I talk about all that? Because James is the New Testament version of the book of wisdom. Now, we're getting ready to move into the holiday season. We're in the holiday season, okay? My house is already getting decorated for Christmas, and uh, my wife was decorating yesterday. I'm trying to watch football, and she's decorating for Christmas, and she's got Christmas music playing, and, and I like Christmas music. Don't misunderstand me, but I'm trying to watch football while she's decorating and playing Christmas music, and, and, that, and, and I'm not gripping, okay? I'm not gripping, uh, and, and so we're, we're at the holiday season, and so here's what I want you to do. As we move into the holiday season, season, of course, our focus is supposed to be on the birth of Christ. And if you're on any kind of Bible version on your phone or your computer, uh, I'm on the Version Bible app, you can get on there and you can look up devotions that are about Christmas, okay? And we also have cards printed here at the church that we're going to put at the red desk next week. And so here's what I want you to do. I'd like for you to spend the next month or so focusing on the Christmas season spiritually, which means, hey, find you a devotional to read and read it throughout the month of December. Or we, we're going to have some cards with some verses, <clears throat> and you can read through those and focus. It's called Advent, okay? And that starts next Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, okay? Then after Christmas, okay, we get through Thanksgiving, we get through Christmas, and at the beginning of January, it'll be a new year, it'll be 2023, what if you started reading the book of Proverbs that month. What if you took one day each day and you read through one chapter each day and at the end of January, you will have read the book of Proverbs. Now, what if you also, now I know I'm stretching you here, but what if you included the book of James? 
Now, the book of James is short. It's only like five or six verses, um, excuse me, five or six chapters. And so if you read it every day, by the end of the month, you will have read the entire book four or five times. Okay, now here's what's happening while you do that. You're feeding on the wisdom of God. And you know what the wisdom of God does? It changes your life. Here's how you grow spiritually. You do a little bit every day, a little bit every day. The Bible calls it a line upon line, precept upon precept. You just every day take a little bit of God's Word. You know, if you, if you go get a prescription from the doctor, let's say you get an antibiotic, you take like one or two a day for five or six days. You don't go home and take the whole bottle. Right? You think, man, I'm going to hurry up and get better, and I'm just going to, you know, you take the whole, and you just take them all, and you drink a little water, and you, drink, and you think, man, I'm done with that. That was easy. No, you'd be in the ER, right? Because you you'd, be you'd be in trouble, right? Okay, God's Word's the same way. See, you don't take all of it at once. You just take a little bit every day. So I want to start this morning. I said all that so we could jump into James chapter 1, verse 1. And listen to what it says. It says, James, he identifies himself. <clears throat> he wrote the book of James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word that jumps out to me there that I want to bring your attention to is the word bondservant. Now, I love that word, okay? Do you know what bondservant means? It means to be a volunteer slave, okay? It means that I willingly submit myself to someone else, not, not because I'm forced to, not because I'm pressured to, not because you have some kind of hold on me, not like slavery. When we think of slavery, we think of somebody being purchased by someone else, then they're forced to serve that person. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a bondservant. James says, hey, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And what is he saying? He's saying, I voluntarily submit myself to God. I voluntarily bow my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. I voluntarily surrender my life to him. Now, we've talked about this. The word Lord means boss. Okay, it means boss, all right? Jesus is Lord of my life. You know what you're saying? Jesus is boss of my life. What does that mean? That means I include him in my decisions. I don't do something without praying. I don't do something without talking about it. I don't do something without asking the boss. Anybody that works and has a boss, you know your boss is involved in your decisions. Jesus is the very same way. Here's what else bondservant means. It means a love slave, okay, a love slave. I'm voluntarily bound to you by love. You know what that reminds me of? Marriage. That's what marriage is supposed to be. The Bible says marriage is a picture of the kingdom of God. You see, I voluntarily submit myself to my wife. I voluntarily bind myself to her because of what? Because of love. Not because of fear, not because of pressure, not because she has control over me, but I want to serve her. I want to love her. I want to take care of her. And so essentially, I'm a love slave. Think about being a love slave to Christ. And that's what I want to ask you before we move forward. Whose slave are you? Who do you serve? Who, who are you responsible to? Now, I know probably everybody in here that works, you may have a superior, you may have a boss, and, and I understand that. But I'm talking about in relationship to Christ. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? And Paul said it's a daily deal. 
It's a daily thing. It's a day, he called it a battle. It says, to, I'm going to die to myself. Now, what does that mean? I don't die physically, but I put my desires aside, and, and I want what God wants for me and what Christ wants for me, and I have to decide every day I'm going to do that. And that's exactly what James said. He said, I'm a love slave. I'm a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he identifies himself that way. Would you identify yourself that way? Then listen to the next thing he says. He says that I'm a bondservant to Jesus and to the Father. Then he says to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. He's talking to Jewish Christians. So since he's talking to Christians, he's talking to us. Remember, there are 12 tribes uh, of Israel, and they were finding Christ as their Savior. They were being kicked out of the synagogues, and they were being pressured, and they were, they were getting out of town and getting out in the country. And so he wrote this letter to them, and he says this letter's to Jewish Christians, and then he says greetings. Listen to what he says next. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Another word is temptation knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Another word is perseverance. Let me back up and unpack it for you. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into trials or tests or temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The very first thing it says is that you and I are going to have trials and tests. Okay, he doesn't say if you have them. He says when you have them. I bet everybody in this room has experienced a trial or a test or hard times or things not going your way. I bet there's some of you in here this morning that are in that right now. You're having some kind of test or trial. You're facing something right now that you don't have the power to change. You don't have the power to fix. You're either going into a trial, you're either in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. It doesn't say if we're going to have trials. It says when we're going to have trials. And he says something crazy. He says that when I have a trial, I'm supposed to have joy. Come on. I'm just going to mark that out of my Bible. You know, I'm going to read James, but I'm going to read over that. Because who, who in the world has things not go their way, but then they have joy? Uh, that's, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, to my natural mind, when things don't go my way, you know what I do? Well, I get mad. I get unhappy. I get grouchy. Anybody in here get grouchy? Right, yeah. <clears throat> Things don't go your way. Listen, you know what most people want Christianity to be? They want it to be the pill that makes everything in life okay. And that doesn't happen. Things aren't always going to go our way. And when they don't go our way, James said for you and I to have joy. Okay, pastor, that's all great and everything, and I'm so glad you're talking about this. So how do I have joy? He says you and I have to know something. He says, count it all joy knowing this. We're supposed to know something. There's something I'm supposed to know, and if I know what that something is, then I'm going to be able to have joy. Listen to what it says. Don't miss this. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, I'm supposed to know something, that the testing of my faith produces patience or perseverance. Now, I want you to understand something that's really important. That does not say that trials build your faith. It does not say that. Listen to me. There's only one way to build your faith, and it comes from hearing the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, faith 
comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It doesn't come by seeing the Word of God. It comes by hearing. Listen, I'm reading out of the Bible this morning. You are hearing the Word of God. And when you hear the Word of God, it says that it produces faith in you. Are you with me? When you read your Bible, when you get up in the morning and you think, man, I'm going to read some Proverbs. Pastor said read Proverbs. When you read it, if you'll read it to yourself out loud and you hear it, the Bible says it builds your faith. Faith only comes one way. Have you ever had anybody say, man, I've been going through some tough times, man. I've been having some hard times. And man, God's been sending that stuff into my life to build my faith. That is not in the Bible. Okay, it's not in the book. It's not what God said. It's not what the Word of God says. He says you get faith by hearing the Word of God. Every time you hear the Word of God, you know what you're doing? You're building your faith. Just like if you were to do curls with weights, you're building your muscles. And every time you do it, you get stronger, your muscles get bigger, and things happen in your body. It's the same way with the Word of God. Every time you hear the Word of God, you're not physically doing building muscles, but you know what you're doing? You're spiritually building your faith. Now, why does that matter? When do I need to do this, Pastor? Here's when you need to do it, when the sun is shining and the birds are singing. And you just got a double dip ice cream cone. And the hummingbirds are going by and the robin is singing in the trees. And your wife just told you she loved you and she's making your favorite meal. And your kids are behaving and nobody's thrown up in a while and nobody's had a whipping. And you, you know what I mean? All, all the kids are potty trained. I mean, you, you know what I mean? When everything's going your way, that's when you build your faith. When the birds are singing and the sun is shining. Listen, you don't start building your faith when you're in the storm. It's too late. Now, I'm not saying God's not merciful. I'm not saying God doesn't have grace because he does. But Jesus himself said that when you're building your life, when you're building a house, if you don't build your faith along the way, the storm's going to come and it's going to wash your house away. So you build your faith when things are going your way. Tommy Birchfield, who's at a Discovery Camp, he said, put God's Word in you when you don't need it and it'll be there when you do. So then you move out of that sunshine and you move into a storm of some kind. You move into some type of storm in your life, some type of issue. Maybe it's a doctor, maybe it's medicine, maybe it's uh, finances. I don't know what it is, but you've been building your faith. Listen to what it says. It says, I'm going to count it joy. I've been building my faith, knowing that the trying or the testing of my faith, (coughs) those hard times are going to produce what? Patience or perseverance. Listen to me. Trials can destroy your life. People have hard things happen to them. They've had bad things happen to them. Many of you have, and many of you have experienced it. I know you have. I've experienced it where you get to that place where you're kind of dangling off the edge, and your life's almost destroyed. Listen, the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. God's not trying to hurt you. God's not trying to destroy you. You build your faith. You feed on the Word of God. You grow in your relationship with God. You know, Pastor Kurt prayed this morning that if you needed to be closer to God, that you could be closer to God. You know how that happens? One of the simplest ways you get close to God is by reading your Bible. Listen to me, you can't not be a thriving Christian apart from the Word of God. You can't. You can't. 
You've got to spend time in God's Word. I have people tell me all the time, man, I just don't feel like I hear God. I, I just don't feel like I'm close to God. I feel like I'm away from God. Listen, one of the simplest, most powerful ways to get closer to God, to build that relationship, to build that intimacy, is just read your Bible. Okay, every time you read your Bible, God's there. I've told you this story one time in Ground Zero. They were having question and answers, and one of the kids said, hey, how do you know Jesus is real? And I said, well, I know he's real because I had coffee with him this morning. And they're like, you're crazy, Pastor. What are you talking about? Jesus came to your house? Yeah, he comes to my house every morning, and I spend time with him. How does he show up? Through the Bible, through the Word of God. In fact, he said he is the written word of God. So every time you open your Bible and you read it and you feed on God's word, you're feeding your faith. And you know what you're doing? You're building intimacy with God. And you know what that takes? It takes time and it takes effort. If you're going to have a good marriage, what's it take? It takes time and it takes effort. And when you've got a house full of kids, it's even harder, isn't it? It's even harder. Yeah. Yeah, any relationship, listen to me, any relationship worth having takes time and takes effort. Your relationship with God is no different. Now, here's what James says. He says, hey, you can have joy, and the reason you can have joy is because you know, hey, I've built my faith, and this test and this trial is coming, and it's testing my faith. And here's what it says it'll produce. It'll produce perseverance or patience, which means what? I'm going to come out the other side of this, and I'm going to be okay. Everybody in here knows this. Nothing lasts forever, does it? No, nothing lasts forever. Seasons come and seasons go. Listen to what he said. He says, but let patience, excuse me, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work or complete work, and you will be complete or perfect and lacking nothing. Then the next thing he says is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally, all women too, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. Now, I'm about out of time, and I've said a lot of things this morning, and I know it. And I want to leave you with one simple, powerful thought. The last verse I read, God said this. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask me, and I'll give it to you. And I'll give it to you liberally. I'll give you more than you need. I'll give you a lot. And then in the King James, he says, I won't upbraid you. This translation says reproach. What does that mean? Well, you go to God and say, God, I'm having trouble and I need some wisdom. Here's what God says he won't do. He won't come to you and say, yeah, all you do is blow it. All you do is mess up. You know, I remember when you asked me for wisdom one time before, and I gave you some, and you just spilled it all over the floor, and you just made a big old mess, and I'm not, I'm not messing with you anymore. No, he, listen, he, you ever had a parent do that to you? Yeah. Or a teacher or a coach? Yeah. Okay, God says, I won't do that. Hey, God, I need wisdom. Here, son, let me give you some. Hey, God, I need wisdom. Here you go, daughter, let me give you some. Hey, God, I need wisdom at my job. Hey, God, I need wisdom as a husband. Hey, God, I need wisdom in this new position I've been given. I don't know what to do, and you got to help me. It says he'll give it to you liberally. Luke says, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. It's like a bucket full and overflowing, but it's wisdom. 
And he says, and I won't remind you of your past. I won't bring up your past mistakes. Listen, I've done it. I know. I know you've done it. You stay away from God because you're embarrassed. You stay away from church because you're embarrassed. And you think, man, I've blown it, and I don't want to talk to God because I know he's sick of hearing from me. No. Amen? It says right here that that's not who he is. If you need wisdom, ask him, and he'll give it to you liberally and he won't remind you of your shortcomings. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up. Let me pray for you. Thank you for your patience and your attention, your kindness. I'm so grateful for each one of you. I'm so grateful for this church. Father God, thank you for TCF. Father, I'm so amazed and, and just humbled to be a part of what you're doing here. I'm so grateful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so thankful that, God, you're helping us reach teenagers, reach children, reach men, reach families. Father God, it's so amazing to be right in the middle of what you're doing. Father, nothing, nothing excites me more than when I see you change families. Father, I thank you as we walk out of this place today that we have wisdom. Father, I want to ask for them that, Father, you give us wisdom. Give them wisdom. Father, give them a liberal dose of wisdom wherever they need it. And they'll see the fruit of your wisdom. They'll experience that long life. They'll experience riches and honor. Father God, because of your wisdom. And I'm thankful for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Hey, I love you. Y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving.